Trenton 365. With Jacques Programs, businesses, organizations, and people that make Trenton better. Hello friends and welcome to the Trenton 365 Show. I'm your host, Jacques Howard. You can send me an email, trenton365show at gmail.com and the website, trenton365.com. You're listening over WIMG 1300, the three-time stellar award-winning station based out of Trenton, New Jersey. And you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook as well, WIMG 1300. The Trenton 365 Show has a Facebook page as well and you can also... Excuse me. You can also place your events to the Trenton 365 Community Calendar page, which is on Facebook as well. In the studio with me is Kimmy Carlos, and Kimmy Carlos is an urban is from the Urban Mental Health Alliance, but she is a mental health professional. We're going to be talking about lots of different things about this pseudo air quote taboo subject that a lot of people are uncomfortable about chatting with. But during this time, we're going to be sharing lots of different information about the subject of mental health and mental fitness as well as the programming of the Urban Mental Health Alliance. And without any further ado, Kimmy Carlos, welcome to the Trenton 365 Show. Thank you so much for having me this evening. Uh, it's fantastic to have you. And as always, I enjoy seeing you and uh, spending some time with you. And Great. that wonderful meal that we shared a couple of weeks ago where right. we did some brainstorming was also awesome as well. Excellent. So, Kimmy, let's jump right into it and uh, let's talk about Urban Mental Health Alliance as an organization and why you started it. Absolutely. Uh, again, thank you so much for having me here, Jock. Uh, it's, it's such a pleasure to always have the opportunity to talk about mental health awareness. So I need to just give you a little bit of background on the organization as well as a little bit of background on myself. As I shared with you over that awesome meal that we had a few weeks ago, um, I am definitely uh, passionate about mental health, but more specifically mental health in our urban communities. Um, and I've been a mental health advocate for, uh, I guess, about 12 years now. I've been in uh, recovery um, from addiction and alcoholism almost 15 years. It'll be 15 years this November. In my early recovery, as I reached out to begin to learn about addiction and mental health, um, I, I went to various resources, family, friends, church, colleagues, um, healthcare professionals, and I found that there was not a lot of conversation around addiction, recovery, and mental health and wellness when it came to people of color. Um, so I, I really got involved with a lot of organizations in and around Mercer County, the National Alliance of Mental Illness. I sat on their board, uh, Greater Trenton Behavioral Health, before it was Oaks Integrated, I sat on their board. The Center for Family, Community, and Social Justice sat on their board for several years as well. Also got certified as a family and family facilitator, really in an effort to try and learn about mental health and learn about awareness and learn about addiction and recovery. Um, and all these organizations were doing phenomenal work and I um, came to really embrace how important awareness was. But what I found was that there was a real disconnect in our urban communities. That information was not being discussed. Um, and there's some very unique factors in our inner cities. And we know that um, our, our inner cities are very isolated. Um, they're very um, exclusive. There's a lot of self-preservation. There's a lot of taboo around discussing mental health, a lot of taboo around discussing addiction. Um, so I found that with all the wonderful work that these organizations were doing, this was a culture that was not being served. And I think while their intentions were good, it's difficult to serve a culture that you don't really understand. Um, so I had a conversation with some close colleagues of mine. It was about five of us at the time we came together. And I said, I'd really like to create an organization that's going to do some specific outreach into our urban environments that's going to meet people where they are and bring them a basic understanding of what mental health is, what a mental health crisis looks like, what addiction is, what recovery looks like, and how to self-advocate for yourself and your loved ones because those are the pieces that we're missing. We had organizations that were doing phenomenal work around teaching depression and bipolar or schizophrenia. However, if you are dealing with a culture that doesn't understand basically what mental health is, doesn't understand how the brain works, a culture that um, on a lot of levels don't even address mental health until there's a crisis, um, for a lot of historical and cultural reasons, obviously, and to nobody's fault, um, then it's difficult to teach exactly what mental health is without first understanding mental health 101. 
So we created the Urban Mental Health Alliance and our mission is to empower individuals and families in urban communities with addiction and mental health awareness and recovery knowledge, specifically through self-advocacy, education, hope, and community support. And our entire vision is that every individual and family member in an urban environment will be able to advocate for their self and their loved ones without humiliation, without fear, without stigma, and without shame. And one of the reasons that's so crucially important is because we know that there's a lot of systemic racism and infrastructural barriers that, that are in our urban communities that causes a lot of oppression. So when you look at factors that are very unique in the urban environments that are not so prevalent in your, in your suburban areas, um, you're dealing with rampant homelessness, you're dealing with rampant drug addiction, you're dealing with gang warfare and drug warfare, law enforcement tensions with communities, you're dealing with broken education systems, you're dealing with broken homes due to mass incarceration, due to drug use, you're dealing with um, just rampant domestic violence, which we know violence grows out of oppression, you're dealing with um, um, subpar housing and, and lots of environmental factors, unemployment rates, underemployment rates, single-family homes, and that's just a few of oppressive factors that are in urban environments. And when you're living in this type of dysfunction, generation after generation, it's going to take a toll on your mental health. So you have some very common mental health challenges that are in our urban environments that aren't being addressed. So depression, runs high, anxiety disorder runs high, post-traumatic stress disorder runs mm -hmm. high, borderline personality disorder runs high, bipolar disorder runs high, addiction obviously is very high, but also what a lot of people don't know is schizophrenia is also very high. And one of the dichotomies is that in your suburban areas, addiction and mental health is looked at as a health problem, but in your urban areas, addiction and mental health issues are looked, are criminalized. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I want to drill down on that a bit more because mm -hmm. um, that, that's something that, that has been out in the forefront a lot recently, especially with the opioid addictions that are, are sweeping the country now. But right. we're going to, I want to drill back on that a little bit later, but mental health as a whole mm -hmm. or mental... Uh, wellness. Yeah, mental wellness, mm -hmm. mental health, etc. Could you be a bit more specific in describing what that is for the audience? Absolutely, and that's one of the things that we teach in our workshop series. We have a, an awesome five-part workshop series we just wrapped up this spring, and the very first workshop in that series is called Healthy Minds in Our Communities. And basically what we teach is exactly that. What is mental health? Okay. So I teach it in terms of real one-on-one -on -one biology. So if you think in terms of heart health, right? The American Heart Association teaches what a healthy heart is, and it teaches you how to maintain healthy, healthy living, and it also teaches you how to recognize heart disease. So if you think in terms of mental health, you think in terms of your brain, which is an organ like any other, any, it's organ, like any other organ in your body. So like your heart or your liver or your lungs, okay? So just like your heart, your liver, or your lungs can have a defect, your brain can also have a defect, okay? So there are such things as brain disorders, or you might want to refer to them as mental health disorders. And the symptoms and the behaviors that we see are often referred to as a mental health crisis. Okay? Mm -hmm. So think in terms of back in the day, old school, we would say a nervous breakdown. You know, um, Normally, there's three ways in which you were going to run into a mental health crisis. There's a myriad of circumstances that might bring it on, obviously, and I named several of them that are in our urban environments, but there's normally three ways that you're going to have a mental health crisis. One, it could uh, a mental health challenge, I should say. One is that it could be hereditary. Most, if not all, of those mental health challenges that I just mentioned are hereditary in some form or another. So bipolar is highly hereditary. Addiction runs in, in, through families. Um, depression runs through families. Anxiety disorders run through families. So it could be hereditary. It could be some sort of trauma. So whether that was um, an accident, you know, a head injury, or if it was some sort of sexual assault, or you know, any type of trauma could also bring on a mental health challenge. Or it could be um, any type of substance use disorder or addiction, for lack of a better word. So prolonged addiction is often going to bring on a mental health challenge as well. Now, the caveat to that is that a lot of times, especially in our urban environments, people who are fall into addiction are often self-medicating. 
So it means a lot of times there's already an underlying mental health challenge there, and that addiction is a way of, of, of coping. It's a life, me life coping mechanism, if you will. Now, the interesting thing that we talk about in the workshop is we really focus on that trauma piece. So whether it's hereditary or, or whether it, um, it's substance use disorder, the trauma piece is really big in urban communities because trauma is basically defined as any type of stress um, or prolonged um, uh, oppression that has affected somebody um, is a type of trauma. Okay, and recently we had a panel with Professor Dr. Ruha Benjamin from Princeton University, um, which you joined us for. Mm -hmm. And remember, uh, Professor Benjamin made a comment that, that was so phenomenal to me that um, I actually said, okay, this is going to be the theme for our next conference. She said, trauma is a response to injustice. So if you think about it in those terms, both small injustices and large injustices, okay? So a sexual assault is an injustice against you as a person mm -hmm. and against you as your physical being, okay? But if you also look at an injustice in terms of lack of education, if you look at it in terms of oppression in um, employment, um, oppression in the school system, okay? If you look at it in terms of low funding or lack of funding, okay? If you look at it in terms of, uh, let's just even say, uh, if you look at the city of Trenton, which has virtually been ignored by our government for the last seven years of this current term, okay? And then in the last six months, now there's a focus on Trenton. But in the meantime, the, the city has been severely oppressed while the surrounding suburban areas continue to grow. That's a form of injustice. So when you look at injustices and the trauma that it causes, then you begin to understand the correlation between trauma and what goes on in our urban environments and the effect that that physically, biologically has on the brain. So if you look, again, if you're talking pure layman's terms, the brain is made up of chemicals, and there's happy chemicals and there's sad chemicals. And there's going to be an imbalance when the, when the brain continues to receive trauma, whether it's a physical trauma or it's a psychological trauma. If you continue to, 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 to experience that trauma over and over again, it's going to bring on some sort of mental health challenge. And again, common ones in our urban areas are anxiety disorder, borderline personality disorder, depression, post-traumatic stress disorder. Those are very common responses to a lot of the oppression and, and traumas that we experience on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, one of the things that we found is, is twofold. There's things that we found um, in the three years that we've been, been doing this work now, um, there's two big things that we found. The first one is that once we give the information, we share information around mental health, um, and we share the different types of mental health challenges. We also teach mental health wellness, you know, so not just um, how to respond to a crisis, but also how to manage it. What we found is that once we give you the information, then we also have to be able to teach you how to self-advocate with that as well. So now you have this information, now we have to teach you how to advocate for that. And then we also have to teach, like I said, the physical piece so that people understand in general what mental health is. So it's not some mystical thing, it's actually a physical illness. You know, yep. and, and, and I want to interrupt you there because uh, as this interview continues, there's a couple of things that I, I want to make sure that we address the stigma, mm -hmm. the stigma of mental health, one, um, the systemic issues along with mental health in urban environments. Mm -hmm. and, and let's just be quite frank and say, and that's generally due to minorities, um, how minorities have been oppressed, whether that's black and brown people, Latino, Hispanics, African-Americans, et cetera, right. um, how the system has continuously oppressed um, those populations. And we'll get into more details about that. But when you started the Urban Mental Health Alliance, and the telephone number is 609-610-7603, and the website is urbanmentalhealthalliance.org, did you have a particular goal in mind? Yes. The entire reason we started the organization was to bring awareness to mental health to a community that was not getting this information. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a, a lot of um, historical, cultural, and social reasons why mental health is not discussed in urban areas. But what we have found, the biggest reason, the absolute biggest reason, is that we've been taught as people of color, and let me just say, when I say people of color, I mean African, African American, Caribbean, East Asian, South Asian, um, uh, Latino, Hispanic, basically anybody who's black and brown, those are people of color. 
okay? When, when you look at people of color, we have been taught to be very resilient. We've been taught not to be vulnerable, not to show a crack in our armor at any time, okay? Now, if you're in an urban environment and you're living in oppression from generation to generation, you've already got stigmas that you're dealing with. You're dealing with the stigma of being black and brown. You're dealing with the stigma of being poor. You're dealing with the stigma of perhaps um, having some sort of criminal um, uh, record or having been in the judicial system, you're dealing with the stigma of mass incarceration, you might be dealing with the stigma of illiteracy, you're dealing with the stigma of being a single parent or coming from a broken home. You're already dealing with a whole host of stigmas, okay? So now to have to deal with an additional stigma of you might be crazy, you know. And she's using air quotes for those of you who are just listening. Right. <laughs> then um, that's one more stigma that you don't want to address. Mm -hmm. You're not going to show yourself vulnerable with having that stigma. Okay. That falls to the lower bottom of the list. However, back to your question. Again, if you think about the American Heart Association who teaches heart health, that's what we do. We teach mental health so that people understand what it is. Our folks for centuries died of heart attacks because we didn't understand what a healthy heart meant. We need to do the same thing for, for mental health as well. Fantastic. I'm speaking with Kimmy Carlos, and uh, she is from the organization Urban Mental Health Alliance. You're listening and watching the Trenton 365 show, and we'll be back after a short break. Oh, I thought I... And welcome back to the Trenton 365 show. I'm your host, Jacques Howard. You're listening over WIMG 1300, and you're watching over WPHY, Channel 25, covering Mercer County, New Jersey. Archives of this interview and others will be available on the website, Trenton365.com. In the studio with me is Urban Mental Health Alliance founder, creator, and executive director, Kimmy Carlos. And Kimmy's been sharing some information about her organization, why she started it. And then we've been talking about mental health, a host of different things about mental health, some of the, the factors that lead to it, et cetera. And Kimmy, I'd like to go back and uh, talk about the stigma, the stigma that, that myself and I'm sure a host of others have about mental health. Um, and, and, you, and I mentioned it earlier at the break, like air quotes, crazy. Right. Um, because that's ex exactly what we're taught, you know, whether it's through media, uh, movies that we've seen, right. television shows, etc. You think, okay, well, someone's in balance. And immediately you think someone who is going to harm themselves or someone who's going to uh, do something to someone else in a crazy state of mind. Again, right. air quotes. Can you just talk about the stigma? Absolutely. Well, well clearly, um, stigma around mental health is not unique to people of color. So let's just talk about that right off the bat. There is a generalized stigma around mental health, and there's a very basic reason for that. It's because there's not as much known about it as it needs to be, all right? There was a huge stigma for a long time around HIV. There's a huge stigma for a long time around different types of cancer. You know, the huge stigma for a long time around epilepsy. So once we got our arms around those different types of health challenges, then the stigma began to subside. The, the difference with mental health is that Oftentimes, with mental health challenges, we see behaviors that we don't understand, that are a little scary, that we're not really clear how to get our arms around. And so that's why there's a lot of fear. And then clearly, the media plays a big role in that. You know, um, God forbid there's, an, there's a, some sort of tragedy. The first thing the media will say is, well, the person was mentally ill, which gives people the impression that if you're crazy or you're mentally ill, that you're going to be violent, or you're going to be dangerous, and that makes people very nervous. So that's also a big problem. And then also there's a lot of um, trivializing of, of mental health as well. A lot of people just view it as a, as a, as a great form of entertainment. Um, so the media and entertainment does not do justice to how serious mental health is. The facts are one in five people in this country are going to deal with a mental health crisis and are living with some underlying mental health challenge. Mm -hmm. I have five grandchildren, so if you think one in, one in five, one of my grandchildren more than likely will live with a mental health challenge again because the mental health challenges that I have, for the most part, are hereditary. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, before you do that, it, it, when you're talking about one in five, mm -hmm. because, again, at the beginning of the program, you listed a whole host of, of different types right. of mental illness or mental health issues. Can right. you just reiterate those? Sure. So some of the major ones, as I said, that we see in our urban communities, and again, that's the niche that we really work with. That's the audience that we really embrace. Mm -hmm. And when we look at that audience, the major mental health challenges that we deal with are anxiety disorder, 
depression, often chronic or debilitating depression, addiction, borderline personality disorder, bipolar disorder, and by far the largest one is post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, um, now, what I'd like you to do is give a couple of um, examples of each of those, and uh, let's work backwards. So PTSD, I know that we often think about or only consider people who've served in the military because that is almost the, the, um, the pinnacle of what we've been taught about, PTSD, people right. who've come back from a traumatic situation serving the country in right. the military. Absolutely. You're good at this. You know more than you think. <laughs> You're absolutely right. With post-traumatic stress disorder, we often think of three different types. We think of the military, rightfully so, because most of our military men and women do come back traumatized in some way. But we also think of domestic violence survivors, and we think of sexual assault survivors. So usually those are the three that we think of for post-traumatic stress disorder, all of which are very valid reasons to have post-traumatic stress disorder. But if you look at some of the factors in our inner cities, if you look at generational poverty, that causes post-traumatic stress disorder. If you look at brutality in the streets, whether it's law enforcement brutality or gang warfare or drug warfare, that's post-traumatic stress disorder that the communities are going to experience. If you look at rampant just street violence, that's going to bring on post-traumatic stress disorder. Homelessness brings on post-traumatic stress disorder. A chronic addiction brings on post-traumatic stress disorder. And then, of course, clearly, any type of human trafficking. So our young boys and girls that are out there on the streets and forced into prostitution, a lot of times because of addiction, that's post-traumatic stress disorder. So post-traumatic stress disorder in our urban communities are rampant, but we don't view those often as post-traumatic stress disorder. And a lot of the behaviors that we see because of the PTSD, we don't recognize as being PTSD. Okay, so that's, that's important. And remember, post-traumatic stress disorder is a response to a trauma. Whether it's a one-time trauma, like a sexual assault, God forbid, or if it's, if it's a repeated trauma over and over again, living in poverty continuously, you know, mm -hmm. is going to cause post-traumatic stress disorder. Okay, but just to give you a one or two sentence on the rest of them. So anxiety disorder. Um, I always I love to tell this story because I think it's so clear. Um, I remember I used to do a lot of walking early in the morning. I would get up and I'd walk like 5:30 in the morning. And I remember one morning I was you know doing my power walking and I ran up on a pit bull, and this pit bull was running loose. And I'm I'm seeing this pit bull run towards me and I'm thinking this is it I'm gonna die. And everything in me was in a fight or flight state of mind. And I'm thinking what do I do? Do I try and outrun this dog? Do I be still? is going to kill me you know my five grandchildren flash through my mind and you live with that knot in your stomach now imagine when you have anxiety disorder you constantly live in that state of fight or flight okay you constantly live with those knots in your stomach and that could be a hereditary thing where some people literally are just born with anxiety disorder but often in your urban environments anxiety disorder comes upon comes out of repeated trauma, which could be a part of post-traumatic stress disorder, okay? So that's your anxiety disorder, where you li literally live in that state of fight or flight. So you're always hypervigilant, okay? Mm -hmm. Another one is depression. Depression is when you are constantly experiencing a sense of sadness, a sense of emotional pain, you feel a sense of hopelessness, you feel a sense of powerlessness, a sense of sad, of, of um, helplessness, that's depression. So everybody experiences what we might want to call the blues. We mm -hmm. all go through that, okay? A relationship ends, a pet dies, we didn't get the job we wanted or we got fired or we didn't get into what school we wanted. Or, so everybody experiences that. But when you are in chronic depression, you live in that state of hopelessness and helplessness, okay? And a lot of times it's in response to a situation or a circumstance. But again, if you're living in a constant state of oppression, oftentimes you will live in a constant state of depression and you won't even realize it because the dysfunctional becomes functional. Okay, so that's high-level depression. If you look at bipolar disorder, which people used to call it manic depression, okay, and that's basically what bipolar is. It is a swing of emotion from a very high to a very low. All right? And people often think when you're manic, it means you're exceptionally happy. That's not what it means. It means that you are living in a, stipe, a, a state of hyperactivity. So some of the behaviors that you see for people who are in a manic state is excessive shopping, hypersexuality, um, uh, hyperdrug use, um, gambling, pornography. These are all manic behaviors. And then that person might swing, and now they're in a state of chronic depression. And 
in bipolar, there's such a thing as rapid cycling, which means you can literally swing from a manic state to a depressed state in a matter of hours, a matter of days, or it could be longer, literally a matter of months and weeks. And bipolar is, a, is a, a challenge to kind of get your arms around as a healthcare professional because you don't really understand, is this person in, depressed mm -hmm. or is this person on the upswing or, you know, in going into mania. So you have to really work with a professional to get that type of mental health challenge, um, get our arms around that. Borderline personality disorder is a little different, although a lot of the symptoms with borderline personality look like post-traumatic stress disorder or look like bipolar. With borderline personality disorder, that's where you really do not have a handle on your emotions. Now, the borderline personality disorder, one of the reasons it's very common in urban communities is because that grows directly out of trauma. So if you have been in a state of constant trauma, regardless of what it is, whether it's um, sexual violence or, or domestic violence or if it's, God forbid, incest or, or constant drug use or you know, human trafficking or you know whatever it is, severe neglect, um, your emotions have gone up and down in a cycle so much that you no longer know how to regulate those emotions. And people with, with borderline personality disorder do not respond well to criticism. They are hypervigilant about being abandoned or neglected. They have fits of, of rage. They have fits of anger. They have fits of sadness. And a lot of times it, it, it will affect their relationships professionally as well as their relationships personally. So these are all common health challenges. Now, I, I, I should have said this in the beginning because I always, I always share this at the beginning of every workshop that I do. So I am not a clinical professional. I am not a social worker, psychiatrist, or psychologist. I am a recovering addict who's extremely passionate about mental health and have spent years studying this and researching this and really working with the professionals. So at the Urban Mental Health Alliance, we have a board of directors of 13. We have some phenomenal healthcare professionals on our board who have mentored me and taught me and of course all the organizations that I volunteered with and advocated with. So I have made it my business to learn everything I can about this. I started doing this advocacy work because of my children and grandchildren and I wanted them to learn. Um, it was important to me that we did not have another suicide in our family. When I was 12 I lost my mother to suicide um, and that I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's what, what, what um, led me into addiction for the next 25 years after her death. And I made a promise to myself when I got sober that I was going to teach my children and grandchildren this before my grandchildren were even born. My children and grandchildren would understand what addiction and mental health was so that this cycle would not continue. But as I began to do the work, I realized that there were so many other mothers and fathers and children and grandchildren that didn't have this information. And that's where my passion comes from. So I always tell people, go and do your own homework do your research, go online, there's a lot of resources out there where you can learn about what mental health is and that is how you become proactive, that's how you become your own best self-advocate. Great. And Kim and Carlos, I appreciate you for saying all the information and sharing your personal experiences. Later in the program, I will actually share some of my personal experiences with mental health and mental fitness as well. You've been listening and watching the Trenton 365 Show. I'm your host, Jacques Howard, and we'll be back after a short break. Hello, friend, and welcome back to the Trenton 365 Show. I'm your host, Jacques Howard. You can send an email, trenton365show at gmail.com, and the website is trenton365.com. This interview and others are available via archive on the website, and you can also visit the Facebook page, Trenton 365 Show, and you can go to the Trenton 365 Community Calendar page on Facebook and post your events there for free, and they'll get distributed throughout the networks. In the studio with me is Kimmy Carlos, who is a mental health professional. Um, Kimothy, Kimmy is not a doctor. She's not a psychologist. She's not a psychiatrist. She is dealing with her own personal experiences and sharing that information with us and to others through her organization, the Urban Mental Health Alliance. And the website is urbanmentalhealthalliance.org. And the telephone number is 609-610-7603. So we've been talking about mental health as a whole. We've touched on different things such as the stigma, as well as anxiety, depression, addiction, personal dis personality disorders, bipolar, PTSD, 
And uh, we've been talking about it specifically dealing with um, urban, I the urban environment, mainly people of black and brown skin who are in um, cities such as Trenton, uh, which is where Kimmy does a lot of her work. In addition to that, um, Kimmy and I, we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about uh, mental health. Um, and personally, I, I want to share my experience. Um, you know, I've, I grew up in a very stable middle-class neighborhood, fantastic childhood, youngest of seven children. My, uh, I grew up in the villages, I like to tell people. And that information is very public. But what is not so public, which Kimmy and I are going to be working on a couple of things coming up in the near future, is my personal experiences with mental health and uh, depression. You know, after working an amazing uh, corporate position and going through some of the rapid changes and sleep deprivation and the stress, uh, that led to some tragic times for me. And and, and unfortunately, those times, they actually come circling back around. And uh, I received a lot of wonderful help, a lot of wonderful attention, not only from family and friends and from my spiritual advisor and the church and my faith center, but, but also because I had to recognize and accept that these were things that were happening in my life and that there was nothing wrong with it. This is just like if you fall and hurt yourself, you break your leg, you, you have to deal with those different things. And this just happened to be a trauma that I had no information about. I didn't know that sleep deprivation could lead to a host of other issues, which it did for me. But I'm working on those things and I want to encourage not only all the viewers out there, but specifically men of color. Because I know that the stigma, which Kimmy and I had spoken about, the stigma is that, air quotes again, that you're crazy and that there's something wrong with you. You need to be strong and, and you shouldn't bow down to this. And, and as Kimmy so eloquently put, you shouldn't have any, any, any chinks or kinks in your armor. You've got to be strong. You've got to pull yourself up. Well, that mentality is not the right mentality. And uh, from my experience with my, my personal um, uh, primary care physician, when I explained to him my thoughts and concerns, he said things like that put people into the grave through a host of different things, whether it's self-medication through alcohol and drugs, which leads to addiction or to violence or to outbursts and rage and anger, and then uh, maybe confrontations with law enforcement. So as Kimmy and I had our conversation over a wonderful meal, she gave me a kudos, and I was thankful that she did. She told me, you did the right thing by acknowledging this and recognizing it and taking the steps. So I want to encourage all the men and women out there, particularly people who are in urban environments, people of black and brown skin, for you to seek that help. And not to be worried or concerned about the stigmas, but find that help. And later on in the program, we're going to go through some different options that you have for treatments and how you can find that information and resources through Kimmy's program or Kimmy's nonprofit, the Urban Mental Health Alliance. So, Kimmy, I'd like for us to, to go back. Um, I shared a bit about my personal story, and, and you're going to be helping me distribute that information at a later time. But can you talk about men and depression? Yes, absolutely. Um, we actually have a workshop that we just rolled out uh, uh, on depression, and this particular workshop looks at depression and the difference between it in men and women specifically. And I want to talk a little bit about resiliency, because okay? people of color, especially people of color in urban environments, we are a resilient people. You know, we have lived through and and actually survived and thrived through so many challenges and such oppression in this country. We are, are a people of tremendous strength, okay? And we teach that down through the generations that you must be strong, you know, that you must have an armor. And that has served us well. However, the flip side of that is that we do ourselves an injustice because we believe that we have to be strong and therefore we don't need to ask for help. Okay? And that includes a lot of things, not just mental health, physical health as well, especially with our men. You know, our men are taught that they need to be leaders, they need to be providers, and they need to be strong, understandably so. I personally believe that that's how our men were created, and that's what, we're, that's what our men are supposed to do. However, we have to be able to seek help when we need it, and I believe that our men are deathly fearful of doing that because it's going to show weakness, it's going to show vulnerability, it's going to show that they're not strong and they're not leaders, okay? So that is what holds a lot of our men back when it comes to seeking help, all right? Especially when it comes to seeking help for mental health. Now, why is that detrimental to our men? Is because this country does not like an angry black man, 
all right, of any color. And what happens is, especially in men, not just men of color, but men in general, often will display or demonstrate depression in anger, mm -hmm. okay? It takes a lot for you to see a man to break down and cry, but you will see him get angry, especially if he feels vulnerable or if he feels helpless, if he feels sad, if he feels like he's lost hope, you're going to see that in anger, okay? And if it goes on long enough, you're going to see it come out in rage, all right? But often you won't look at a man and say, this man is depressed or this man is dealing with some, some fear or this man is sad or this man is dealing with anxiety. You're going to say, this man is angry and we need to put him away somewhere. All right. And that's what happens with men of color often. It's criminalized. All right. And we have generations of men of color who were in prison because they were dealing with a mental health challenge that they A, were not aware of and B, had no clue where to go find the resources for. Okay. So in the Urban Mental Health Alliance, we seek to A, teach what mental health is, B, recognize what mental health crisis looks like, and then C, how to advocate for yourself and your loved ones. So what that means is if my husband or my father or my brother or my significant other or my son doesn't recognize it, I have enough information to recognize mm. it, and I have enough information to advocate, okay? If uh, our, one of our brothers or sisters in the church is dealing with a mental health crisis, we have enough to recognize what that is and to be able to help them advocate for it, all right? So that's why it's important to teach not just individuals but families and communities because oftentimes not only our men but, it's, but, but especially our men don't recognize it, number one, and if they do recognize it, they're not going to speak on it, mm -hmm. all right? There's a huge fear there. Now, let me just build on that a little bit, okay? In the African-American culture, specifically in African-American culture, um, we have a tendency to, and I've said this to several people, most people agree, a lot of people don't. We have a tendency to raise our daughters the same way we raise our, our, our sons. Mm. So we teach our daughters to be self-sufficient, to be independent, to be resilient, to be strong, to never have a crack in your armor, to never show, show vulnerability. We have mothers that tell their daughters, you don't need a man, you can do this by yourself. Mm. We understand why we do this. We want our daughters to be strong because we know what our daughters are going to live through when we send them out into the world. So we understand why we do this generation after generation, but we do the same thing to our daughters that we do to our sons, we teach them not to be vulnerable, never to ask for help. So what happens is when our daughters get sad and depressed and deal with anxiety, they display it in anger as well. Hence the angry black woman. Okay? And we do a disservice again because we strip away the essence of what a young girl is supposed to be. She's supposed to be feminine. She's supposed to have the opportunity to be vulnerable. She has a right to be sad, to be scared, to be fearful, to worry, to ask for help. But we have been taught to be resilient and to build that armor around our girls so that they won't be taken advantage of, so that they won't get hurt, but then we don't allow them to ask for help when they need it. So we have so many of our people, our men and our women, especially in our urban environments, who are struggling, who are in pain, and what we say is, I'm fine. Mm. That's the catchphrase, I'm fine. I've had people who have dealt with violent death in their family, and I've approached them and they said to me, I'm fine. You're not fine. You've just seen a loved one get murdered in the street. You're not fine. But we've been taught that. We have loved ones whose family members have gone to prison and they didn't have enough money to advocate for them, but I'm fine. We have people who are in deep, deep addiction and don't know where to get help, but I'm fine because we've been taught to be resilient. And the only emotion that we will allow ourselves to demonstrate is anger because we feel like justifiably we can be angry. So that's the difference between our men and women, but it's also the difference between people of color in urban environments and people who are not of color. I'm speaking with Kimmy Carlos, who is founder and executive director of the Urban Mental Health Alliance. You can reach out to her directly by going to the website, urbanmentalhealthalliance.org. 
and you can call 609-610-7603. Kimmy, we're just about up on a short break, and I want to drill down on uh, a bit more about some of the options, um, some of the resources and things that are there. But before we do so, can you just share a bit about one of your programs um, or that you have coming up? Yes. Um, so, we, as I said, we just wrapped up a five-part workshop series, which is awesome, and I'll just talk about that really quickly. So, we um, received a grant in 2015 to do one workshop, which is Healthy Minds in Our Community, and it's a 90-minute workshop that teaches what mental health is, what a mental health crisis looks like, what common mental health challenges are, and then it looks at the depressors, the, I'm sorry, the um, oppressors and stressors in urban environments and how that affects mental health. So we taught this workshop, we did three workshops back to back in 2015, and then we actually went out and started partnering with organizations in and around Trenton and Mercer County and brought the workshops to their constituents, whether it was members or clients or whatever it is. And there was four themes that came out of that workshop every single time we did it. The first one was addiction. People wanted to understand what addiction was. The second one was stress. People wanted to know what stress was. The third one was what is positive mental health. And the last one was how do I get help or self-advocacy. So we built four more workshops around that. And the workshop is called um, Healthy Minds Matters. And it teaches all five of those themes. And each workshop is 90 minutes. And we provide those on a uh, bi-week, biannual basis, so in the spring and in the fall we run these workshops. It's open to the general public um, and there's a little to no fee for that. Fantastic. Kimmy Carlos, Urban Mental Health Alliance will be back after a short break. You're listening and watching the Trenton 365 show. I feel like an auctioneer. <laughs> I didn't know that. Did anybody know that? And welcome back to the Trenton 365 show. I'm your host Jacques Howard. You're listening and watching over WIMG 1300 and WPHY Channel 25 covering Mercer County, New Jersey. In the studio with me is Kimmy Carlos, who is the founder and executive director of the Urban Mental Health Alliance. Website is, is urbanmentalhealthalliance.org and the phone number is 609-610-7603. The whole hour we've been talking about mental health, uh, mental fitness. We're going to be talking about some of the resources. I shared my personal experiences with mental health and uh, mental illness, and Kimmy has uh, talked about her issues that she's had with addiction and uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and some of the other things that are plaguing black and brown communities in urban areas uh, like here in Trenton, New Jersey. And uh, Kimmy, just before the break, I mean, you were going over some of the programs that, that you have offered in the past, mm -hmm. but you've got another, well, could you reiterate those and I'd like for you to talk about your mobile outreach program. Right, so yes, I, I talked about our, our Healthy Minds Matters workshop series. It's a five-part workshop series, and we'll be doing that twice a year. Um, what we have coming up in September, we're going to be doing our first fundraising walk specifically around mental health awareness in our urban area. So we are pulling that together now. And then in October, we're going to be doing our third annual conference, which is exciting. That'll be held at Trinity uh, Episcopal Cathedral uh, October 14th. So we're excited about that. You'll see more information. It'll be on our website. So please visit our website, as, as Jacques said. We also have a Facebook page, Urban Mental Health Alliance. Go to the Facebook page. We post all of our events there. Um, but I wanted to talk about resources, which I think is important. Um, you can always go to our website. There's a resource page there. There's a tab that says where to get help. Feel free to click on that. Um, let me just, just give a disclaimer right now that our, our website is a very basic website. We are a nonprofit, but there's a wealth of information there. So please go, go there and find it. But I also want to give you some general information around how to advocate for yourself and your loved ones. There is help out there there's a way to do that. The first one is that you have to learn everything you can about mental health. If you have a loved one that you believe, or yourself, believe are struggling with a mental health challenge in any way, whether it's anxiety, it's depression, sadness, fear, anger, you know, worry, stress, insomnia, you know, these are all symptoms of, of depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, um, addiction, um, if you're dealing with any of these symptoms, the first thing you want to do is as much research and homework as you can. The internet is a blessed thing today. It's free information that for a long time we as people of color did not have. Take advantage of that. Most people have a phone in their hand today, which is a mini computer. Go online. Go to the library and get online. 
get online at your at your schools if you can wherever you can access this information I'm gonna give you some phone numbers so this is specifically in Mercer County in Mercer County there's what's called a mobile outreach program this is for adults 25 and oh I'm sorry 21 and older mobile outreach program a lot of people don't know this I did not know this I wish when I had a family member threatening suicide I had known that this program existed basically what the mobile outreach program does is it offers mobile screaming services to adults who are unable to come to an emergency room and the trauma emergency center in Mercer County is Capital Health Medical Center just so you know they have a mental health crisis center there but if you are not able to get yourself there or get a loved one there you can call the mobile outreach program what they will do is provide mobile screeners who will come to you and make an assessment and referral for outpatient treatments they will also transport you to the mobile crisis center if necessary I'm going to give you two phone numbers for that. Mobile Outreach Program 609-396-6086, 609-396-6086, or 609-396-4357, 609-396-4357. The next thing I want to tell you, and I think this is so important and I stress this again and again, we are all aware that our law enforcement systems are not as perfect as they need to be but your safety is always important if you have someone who's in crisis and there's a safety issue you need to call 911 when you call 911 you're gonna say two things I have a loved one who is in a mental health crisis I need help with a mental health crisis I also need a mobile outreach program if possible now you're going to do this for two reasons. One, because when you call 911, that's a recorded line. On the recorded line, you have stated this is a mental health crisis. Number two, you are telling law enforcement what they are walking into. Law enforcement is taught to enforce the law. You want to tell them this is a mental health crisis. This is not just a violent incident. This is someone who is in crisis, okay? That's the second thing. The third thing is I'm going to give you very quickly some names of some reputable organizations that you can go to online to find information so that you can learn everything you can. All right. Very quickly. Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance. Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance. DBAlliance.org. DBAlliance.org. Another one. MentalHealthAmerica.net mentalhealthamerica.net mentalhealth.gov mentalhealth.gov national alliance on mental illness national alliance on mental illness that website is nami nami.org another excellent one national center for ptsd National Center for PTSD. Another one, National Institute of Mental Health. National Institute of Mental Health. Another excellent one, Office of Minority Health. Office of Minority Health. Where do I go to get a lot of the information that we teach in the Urban Mental Health Alliance? Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. S-A-M-H-S-A dot gov. These are all reputable organizations that have excellent websites that you can go to. You can go to Google, which again is another blessed resource that we have, and type in the names and they, you will automatically find the, the websites there. There's a wealth of information online. Not all of it is reputable. Not all of it is accurate and correct. So I'm giving you reputable organizations where you can go and learn about mental health. The best way that you can advocate for yourself and your loved one, and advocate means care for, provide for, champion, represent. That, that's what advocate means. The best way you can advocate for yourself and your loved one is to be educated learn everything you can so that you become the person who asks the questions and you become the person who's active in making decisions for yourself and your loved one what happens often is that we go into crisis and then we kind of fall into react mode and we do pretty much whatever um, the healthcare provider or the professional tells us because we don't know enough 
you want to be as educated as possible. So those are some excellent resources. And as I tell people all the time, the Urban Mental Health Alliance phone number, 609-610-7603. That number goes directly to my cell phone. If you call the office, it comes directly to my cell phone. I will always provide you with information. I've been doing it for three years now. I will continue to do it as long as, as the good Lord lets me. So if you need information, you can't get online or you're not where, where, sure where to start, call that number. If you get the voicemail, leave a message. We try and call you back within 24 hours. We will listen to whatever your needs are and we will do everything we can to try and advocate and direct you um, to where you can get the best resources and the best help that you need. Mm -hmm. And Kimmy, you've done a fantastic job during the program sharing about things that I feel are catering towards adults. Um, will you come back and share a bit more about how um, uh, mental health and mental fitness plays out within our children and, and, and adolescents and so forth? Absolutely. Our board president, Medina Day, is phenomenal. Um, she's not only a very close colleague of mine, but she's a big mentor, and she works specifically with children in urban environments around mental health, and she is brilliant when it comes to it. So I would be delighted to come back, and I would love to bring her, and we would literally sit and spend an entire segment on mental, the mental health of our children and how vitally important it is that we support them and advocate for them. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Now, um, before we wrap up and before we finish up the program, you, you shared a lot of information and you've given out lots um, regarding uh, your website and how people can get in contact with you as well as other types of resources. As, as this outreach that you're doing, and I'm going to say it, it it's a ministry of, so, of sorts. As long as this continues to happen, what are some of your expectations for the near future? Well, you're absolutely correct. It is, it is, that's exactly what it is. It's a ministry, and I'll talk real quickly about that. I um, have a degree in theology, and when I came out with my, my divinity degree, that's the first thing I said is, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he spoke to me, and he said, this is your ministry. You know, and I knew right then that, that I was not called to be in a pulpit. I was called to be in the street. And that these are the people that God has asked me to serve. So this is what I eat, sleep, and breathe. And my life's goal is to do this work until every single individual and family in our urban environments, all of our people of color, understand what mental health is and are able to advocate for themselves and their loved ones without stigma, without shame, and without fear and humiliation. That's my goal, and I will be doing that for the rest of my life. Kimmy Carlos, a founder, executive director of the Urban Mental Health Alliance, thank you for your time on the Trenton 365 show, and we will have you back. Thank you. Sure thing. You've been listening and watching the Trenton 365 show over WIMG, 1300 New Jersey's oldest radio station, and the three-time stellar award-winning station, as well as WPHY Channel 25 covering Mercer County, New Jersey. All this information, as well as the archives of this interview and others, are available on the website, Trenton365.com. I'm your host, and I will see you next week. Jacques Pierre Howard. Have a great night, friends.